This is The Guardian. Today, our critics prescribe a dose of culture for autumn 2023. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. If you've spent time setting up alerts for gigs that have long sold out, or gone to see a play that you wish had been... 73% better, or just found yourself endlessly scrolling streaming menus in the search for something, anything that you could commit to. Well, this is the episode for you. What's new? What's worth looking out for? And what will get us excited in the next few months? We ask our film editor, Catherine Shaw for her definitive guide on what to watch at the cinema, our chief music critic, Alexis Petridis delivers his top picks and top gossip. And you can finally relax your grip on the remote and hand over control of your binge-watching to Leila Latif. Think less crunchy leaves and cosy comfort, because one thing our panel has noticed is that this is building up to be a steamy season of raunch. From The Guardian, I'm Nasheen Iqbal. Today in Focus... What to watch, stream, and do. Your essential autumn culture fix from our critics. Catherine, most people think that summer is a season of steamy sexiness, but not so this year. Can you tell me what's likely to get us hot and bothered this autumn? Well, speak for yourself, Nasheen. I've been... Super hot and bothered all summer, uh, <laughs> but it's only just begun. That was just foreplay for autumn, which is oh, wow. all sex, all the way. This year. <laughs> why, 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 why is sex so big this autumn? Uh, well, there's, I mean, you could have interesting debates about whether or not for women it's a sort of reclaiming of sexual agency post Me Too. Mm. Uh, debatable, I think, because actually what it translates to is, is just getting your tits out again. For about, the female gaze, Catherine, for the female <laughs> gaze. Uh, yes, there's fair play which is an unabashed throwback to 90s erotic thrillers. How did I get so lucky? Are you talking about me or your job? About a couple. They work in the same hedge fund company. They're going to get married. It's very sexy, very exciting. They're very happy. Then she gets promoted instead of him. Congratulations. I'm sorry. Why? I'm so happy for you. Okay. He can't cope. Wonder how she got the fast pass. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of weird sex. It's very exciting. This firm has become my religion. You have become my god. And it just kept you on the edge of your seat and very entertained. And it sort of went there in a way you weren't quite expecting. Are you out of your mind? You're gonna end our relationship by setting off a bomb. So it's on Netflix on the 6th of October. This job, it's killing us. 
There's a very good film called The Royal Hotel, and it's about two girls, American girls, in Australia. They take a job as bar staff in a remote mining uh, hotel bar in the outback. Physically, it's not a very demanding job. The only thing that can be a little bothersome is the remoteness of the location. Not a good idea, it turns out. Let's put up with it for a few weeks, make some cash. It'll toughen us up. It's brilliant. It's really fun. It's really tight. It's really entertaining. Cider? Yeah. Uh, Dickens? Dickens cider? It talks about the male gaze and toxic masculinity. They're disgusting. In a, in a way that's fresh and new and empowering. <laughs> that's enough. And I really loved it. I thought it was a, a terrifically good drama. And I felt really quite sort of bolshy for a good 20 minutes afterwards in, a, in an empowered way. I so I, I would, yeah, <laughs> definitely recommend that one. Alexis, it would be impossible to talk about sex and music without mentioning Madonna, mm -hmm. whose reputation as a trailblazing sex positive icon has almost been as influential as her music. Now, she kicks off her tour October the 14th in London, yeah. her 12th one, celebration of her 40-year career. Yeah. How excited are you? Uh, I'm quite excited in so far as it's a sort of greatest hits tour. That's what it's being billed as. La Isla Bonita. Wait, hold up. That's a lot of songs. It's a lot of songs. You think people would come to that show? I'll be there. <laughs> well, I'll be there. You know, that's clearly something Madonna has shied away from prior to this. Mm. Uh, her last tour was the Madame X tour, which was in theatres and was, you know, very heavy on tracks from her most recent album, which mm. nobody bought. It's a, it's a strenuous looking tour. It's a strenuous looking tour. And she tour. has been quite sick. I'm quite worried about Madonna. I love her, but I'm yeah. a bit stressed by this I mean, tour. you know, obviously the Madame X tour was, was, you know, it was beset by all kinds of difficulties. And one of them was that she hurt herself. A lot of choreography is involved, a lot of movement is involved. She's not just sitting at a piano or standing there with a guitar performing. You know, it's a difficult thing to say because Madonna always gets very antsy about people talking about her age, and I fully understand why. To age is a sin. You will be criticised, you will be vilified, and you will definitely not be played on the radio. But I think the most controversial thing I have ever done is to stick around. But it's a strenuous and difficult thing to do. I noticed that the uh, London dates are all sold out. Uh, the European dates and the American dates are not yet sold out, which is an interesting mm. thing. You would think that people, with the guarantee of you will hear the hits, would be rushing to sort of lap up tickets for this. And what do you think is going on there? Because, I mean, she's I think know, Madonna one star of the has original fallen. huge stars. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because those, you know, let's call them heritage tours, for want of a better word, are usually total sort of financial bankers. Mm. You know, we've just seen sort of Elton John's farewell tour. I think it's the biggest grossing tour ever. Also, you know, don't forget Madonna very explicitly works within pop music. And mm. someone who is 16 years old and into Dua Lipa, you know, Madonna's sort of imperial phase is a long time before you were born. Yeah. Because she hasn't been the dominant force in the pop market for a really, really long time. I can't believe you've talked about Madonna for this long without, you know, just dropping in the fact that you have met her and you have. have interviewed her. <laughs> I have. Was that a terrifying experience? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Not the warmest person I've ever met in my entire <laughs> life. I mean, it wasn't, you know. I, no uh, way. There was, there, and also, Business. she was in character. She turned up dressed as Madame X. She had like an eye patch on. 
Um, which is, you know, good. I, I sort of quite admire the idea of, of, of making turning an interview into a production. You know what I mean? But it's also quite disconcerting. Yeah. You know, um, I obviously turned up in character as a befuddled <laughs> <laughs> middle-aged music journalist. Um, Leila, I, I don't know how you follow that up, really, but we could talk about the hottest TV that's coming to a sofa near you soon. So I've heard... That Boiling Point, which is that very successful film by Philip Barantini, starring Stephen Graham, set in a very stressful restaurant kitchen, is being turned into a BBC series. So if you were a fan of The Bear, which I very much was, then this should be quite intriguing. Uh, yeah, I used to work in food. Philip uh, Barantini used to work in food, and he just completely gets that like awful stress that comes of just any night of service. Hey! But then also this weird way that you have these like mentorships is so much how chefs work with each other. So you'll have some Marco Pierre white figure who abuses Gordon Ramsay, who then kind of, you know, takes that on to like the next generation of chefs. And then there's just years and years of everyone screaming at each other and making really unpleasant working environments just because that's how it's always worked. And mm. this is how you achieve greatness. Stephen Graham still in it? Stephen Graham's still in it. It's at about six months after the events of the film. I mean, don't forget, he's all used to work for me. You know, I've seen he's playing happy families. Maybe if it wasn't for it, I'd still have my own fucking restaurant. What was amazing about that film is that it, like, brings you up to the sort of uncut gems level of, like, I'm so stressed I'm going to have a heart attack because it's going all through one shot. So it'd be very interesting to see if he kind of manages to maintain those tiny little horrors that happen by the stoves in the back of restaurants. I mean, it already sounds intense. You've also, on the vibe of, like, sexy autumn things, there's the return of the real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That is the least sexy show on the entire <laughs> planet. I have never seen such horrific marriages with so little chemistry in my entire um, life. I like this. This is nice coming you're, in. You're pushing Am I pushing you? you know, Honey. Put, put the phone away? Okay, well... But what I'm excited about with this one is they're all single now. They've all left their horrible marriages. <laughs> Everyone's, a lot of the husbands have gone to jail for malpractice of various kinds. Some wow. of them have become late in life lesbians. It's wonderful to see kind of these, oh, wow. these women breaking free of all of these men. And they still have hideous homes and awful clothes that they spent way too much money on. But they're free. And wouldn't that be a lovely thing to see? And rich. And you're not getting one. Why not? Because I don't like you. <laughs> oh, good. This is a mutual thing. Yeah, never. Yeah, so the next season of uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, out sometime in November. Um, Leila, what else have you noticed when it comes to the TV and streaming schedules in the coming weeks? I mean, are there any particular trends emerging? Yeah, we're smashing the patriarchy. <laughs> Tell um, me more. We've got Three Little Birds, which is a really lovely drama from uh, Lenny Henry. It's based on stories about my, my mum that she told me and my auntie told me about coming to Britain in the 50s. Based on his mother and his aunts coming over on the Windrush. It's about overcoming, it's about women, proto-feminism. Some of them have like left bad relationships behind and some of them are kind of entering into bad relationships of various kind. But they kind of, they find strength in one another and they really do uh, turn it around. And obviously one generation later, they're, you know, taking care of 
national treasure Lenny Henry. So it's kind of, there's almost a, a happy ending built in from the premise. That's out on October 10th on ITV and on ITVX's streaming service, six episodes. There's also Lessons in Chemistry, which is out on October 13th on Apple TV. And that's about a female chemist played by Brie Larson, who gets pregnant in the 1950s. As you imagine, not in the most wonderful, supportive workplace for mothers. This institution has a reputation based on the world-class scientists, not the theories of a pretty lab tech. We have rules. You're firing me. Immediately loses her job. So she has to uh, figure out a different way to kind of support herself. And she rather ingeniously turns to cooking. I would like to offer you a job as the host of our cooking show. Are you concussed? Because in some ways that is a form of chemistry. And she builds this whole new life for herself and this hugely successful career within the kind of domestic sphere, but then, you know, using it to actually empower herself. I stand proudly with the overlooked workhorse of the kitchen, women, and baked potatoes. What the f***? Well, Catherine, speaking of the patriarchy, or of macho culture, can you tell me about the return of Martin Scorsese? And should should I have high hopes? Because I didn't love The Irishman. No. (laughs) No, I feel that. Killers of the Flower Moon is his new one, uh, which was at Cannes, and it stars DiCaprio as a uh, detective in 1920s America. And he's investigating the killings of lots of members of the Osage community. You know, you got you got nice color skin. What color would you say that is? My color. Starts a relationship with a Native American woman. And Lily Gladstone plays his wife and it also features Robert De Niro. And it sounds great and really, really interesting and sensitive and good. So Flowers of the Killer Moon is out October the 20th. And then a month later, on 22nd of November, you've got Napoleon, which is Ridley Scott's period drama starring Joaquin Phoenix. So, yeah, good to see these guys still being ambitious. You know, both of these films, incredibly ambitious and exciting films. And, of course, Scorsese's next film is going to be about Jesus and he's going to be in it. So... As Jesus, I don't know. <laughs> for a second, I thought but you meant Jesus was going to be in it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, right, right, well, yeah. <laughs> coming for Martin Scorsese. <laughs> so yeah, very exciting. Lexus, you've noticed something odd happening in music, right? Yeah, in America, there has been a sort of trend recently where quite right-wing country songs have rocketed to number one in the charts. And what it transpires has happened is that the sort of Fox News-watching part of the populace has worked out that downloads and physical copies count for more when the charts compiled than streams. Right. So they have sort of mobilised to buy downloads or buy physical copies of these records, thus causing them to sort of shoot up the charts. What it basically amounts to is, you know, manipulating the charts. What what kind of songs are we talking about? What do they sound like? One of them is called uh, Try That in a Small Town. You know, it's it's, 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 it's a lot of kind of, well, just generally owning the libs. Got a gun that my granddad gave me They say one day they're gonna round up Well, that shit might fly in the city Try that in a small town. 
So, yeah, that's my trend for the autumn. <laughs> Big, scary autumn trend. Mm. Speaking of which, because autumn, <laughs> this is done very naturally, guys. Don't laugh at me. Autumn is also spooky season. Yay. Uh, Layla, can you tell me what horrors we can look forward to watching from behind a cushion? Well, I mean, the big one is Fall of the House of Usher, Netflix, mid-October. And it's Mike Flanagan, who um, some people might know of having done the impossible task of trying to adapt The Shining as a sequel um, in Doctor oh, right. Sleep. He mm, sort of managed it. But yeah, he tends to have this thing now where every year he takes on a different literary figure within horror And then he sort of creates a miniseries in tribute to them. This is now him with Edgar Allan Poe, and I have got high hopes. Tell us about plot. It's time. I mean, Edgar Allan Poe, original Gothic master, but It's give time. us a bit more of a sense of what we can expect from this. It is a kind of about a very, very wealthy crime family with kind of the man at the top and bit dark succession sort of vibes used to be coming through with a lot of kind of warring siblings, each wanting to take over in a certain way. You guys, we really should get together more often. It's just a balm for the soul. But then, as it's Edgar Allan Poe, people start to be haunted by their past sins. You know, do I hear the beating of a heart and is that just my guilt that's manifesting in front of me or am I being haunted? Who are you? Consequence. Consequential. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be a great one. Alexis, I will let you tell me about what's actually young, fresh, hot and cool in a minute. But I am just minorly obsessed with the heritage acts that we're seeing this season. Mm -hmm. Both dead and just about alive. <laughs> Prince... And the Rolling Stones. Yeah. How are they both still churning out new material? Prince famously had a phenomenal amount of music, literally locked in something known as the vault, mm. uh, which was supposed to be beneath Paisley Park, uh, the sort of complex in which he he turned out he lived there, which was is is terribly dispiriting if you've ever seen it. Well, you have seen I it. I have been you've to been Paisley there. Park. I've interviewed Prince. And you go to Paisley Park and you think, because of the song Paisley Park, you know, it's sort of going to be this wonderful thing. And it looks like a branch of Ikea. It's almost <laughs> sort of on an industrial estate outside of Minneapolis. And there's a lot of things painted purple and the symbols all over the place. At least that's still there. The purple's there. The purple's there. There were two venues inside of it. And uh, we were taken into the nightclub. And Prince just... He just materialised in the room. I didn't see him come in. And, and Prince was sat at a keyboard and had platform flip-flops on, <laughs> a pair of white platform flip-flops. I love and, him. <laughs> and we sat at his feet and there was me and some other representatives of the European press. And if he didn't like a question that you asked him, he would just shake his head and play the music from the Twilight Zone on the keyboard. There was a guy from Italy, <laughs> and he said, in the past, you write a lot about uh, sex issues, the sex issues, and now you are Jehovah's Witness, and uh, you don't write about the sex issues so much. Uh, what are your views on sex issues? <laughs> and it was one of those things where someone says a phrase over and over again, it just becomes, like, please stop saying sex issues. And Prince just sort of caught my eye <laughs> as he was asking it, and went, <laughs> I sort of went, back he's um, shrugging alexis is shrugging i'm shrugging yeah and uh, that that was that was it 
Um, because he has all this music stored since his death, what the estate has done has put out these mammoth box sets, all of which um, centre on one album. Mm. And when I say mammoth, I mean mammoth. The box set that's coming out uh, in October, which is based around Diamonds and Pearls, it's 10 albums, the box set. Wow. Ten, seven CDs or 10 vinyl albums. The previous one they did was uh, Sign of the Times. And I'm not joking, there were another three albums worth of material in that set, every bit as good as Sign of the Times. Get out! Which may uh, well be the greatest record of the 80s anyway. Um, I mean, the, the quality of music that he was producing during his, you know... That's period. so astonishing. Well, um, I consider myself, I'm like, I'm a Prince fan and I've always found it a bit icky to go and revisit those new, mm. big new releases. Like, it's not what he wanted. But if you're saying there's three more albums as good as Sign of the Times and then oh, there's yeah, ten more... Oh, yeah, not messing about. No, mm. I mean, seriously. Wow. So I'm genuinely really excited to hear this. You know, Dimes of Pearls, the album with Cream on it and things like that. It's, it's a brilliant, brilliant record. Are you as excited for the Rolling Stones? In a weird way... Yeah, well, no, yeah, I don't know. Um, Hackney Diamonds, which is the title of the new Rolling Stones album, which is coming out on 20th of October, which my wife pointed out sounds like the name of a lap dancing club in, you know, Clapton. <laughs> it's a terrible name for a record. However, they have worked on it with a guy called Andrew Watt has produced it. Andrew Watt is, is very much like the producer of the moment. He's best known for doing pop stuff. He worked a lot with Miley Cyrus, Dua Lipa, but has sort of transitioned into working with, you know, the rock aristocracy. And he's really good at sort of teasing a certain freshness out of artists that have been doing it for a really, really, really long time. Single's pretty good, I've got to say. Angry. And, you know, you say this every time, but it seems likely they leave long gaps between records. This is probably the last record the Rolling Stones are going to make. I don't know. I mean, it might be dreadful. I've absolutely no idea. I've had one I know, song I was getting really excited for it, and then you ended with that. It might um, be dreadful. But, but, it's a I mean, nice it, caveat it's, there. It's, it's, it, there is general positive from okay. those who have heard it. There okay. is general positivity. Coming up, Catherine makes her case for an unexpected Oscar contender, Alexis declares his Album of the Year, and Layla has found your new favourite superhero. Hello, I'm Grace Ben. I'm back and I've been busy. Comfort Eating, our award-winning podcast, is out now. With an exciting lineup, including Shirley Ballas, Bridget Christie, Jamie Demetrio, and many more. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. 
here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Catherine, people in the autumn of their lives, what can you tell us about the return of 90-year-old Michael Caine? Well, who actually, I'm going to just just do a mic drop, name drop of epic proportions here, oh, go given, on. given Alexis's... Uh, Constant warm-up. name dropping, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Went to his flat last week. It's a flat in Chelsea Harbour. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's not, it's, it's better than mine. And um, yeah... He's extraordinary. And he's in this film, The Great Escaper. Soon as we've had some grub, I'll take you for a spin along the front. And when we get back, I think they've got a male stripper for you. What? He plays a real-life guy called Bernard Jordan, who left his care home in Hove in 2014 to attend the D-Day anniversary celebrations. I couldn't leave you all on your own. Unless you have to. Uh, and uh, it's Glenda Jackson's last film role. She's brilliant. He's in France. Bonjour. At 90. Well, he has done it before. Only then, of course, they were shooting at it. And what's interesting with The Great Escaper is that the director, Oliver Parker, has made this very smart decision to just do endless close-ups of his face and Glenda Jackson's face and John Standing's face as well. And you sort of spend the whole movie just entranced by the map of their face now. And that is just endlessly amazing and fascinating. Michael Caine is fantastically good in this film. What a waste. Hey. What a waste. And it's a bit more gritty and sort of bitter and sad than you might expect. I think this is a film that hasn't got a lot of advanced buzz yet. Uh, it's out. You're doing on... all the work. Yep. <laughs> Buzzing away. Uh, it's out quite soon. It's out on 6th of October. And it's it's really, really good. It's really moving. It's very unpatronising about older people. It's it's really, really excellent. It sounds like, um, yeah, people will be readjusting their eyes after being used to all the sort of Botox faces. Now we've got mm. a wave of, like, actual people with actual real older faces on massive screens. I think that's absolutely right. And The Great Escaper particularly is amazing for that. Although, of course, Michael Caine looks incredible for 90. And his hands, they're, like, better than mine. <laughs> you know, it's just like, incredible, like babies. Catherine's got lovely hands. Um, the next is Catherine's really championed the, the older guys, the geezers. Mm. But can you tell us about the newer, the younger, the fresher talent? 
in terms of albums, Say She She, who are a all-girl trio from New York, although one of them is English. They do a kind of punky post-disco kind of thing. I'm down. The music is really fresh, really exciting. I think they're, they're brilliant. They have an album. It's just come out. It's their second album, and it's called Silver. And then uh, Lancome. They're an Irish folk band, uh, one of the few folk bands in recent memory to have broken out of the kind of so fairly self-contained world of folk music. They were nominated for a Mercury Prize. Their album, False Lancome, is probably my favourite record of the year. It is a genuinely extraordinary piece of work. Go dig my grave, both wide and deep. Mostly traditional Irish music amazingly produced they clearly have interest in things like quite avant-garde music drone music uh to a certain extent metal and the album itself is an unbelievably wrenching emotional experience that track by track takes you from the pits of despair i mean some of it is incredibly heavy some of it's incredibly beautiful to tell this world that i died for Live, uh, it's, they are really intense. And five of them, and they play 30 instruments and create this immense kind of noise. They're just brilliant, and they are touring uh, in December, uh, starting on the 7th in Nottingham. Leila, is there anything as interesting and new and unlikely happening in TV this autumn? Well, we've got some long-awaited new seasons coming out with things like Lupin... J'ai vengé mon père. J'ai dû protéger ma famille. And Invincible, which is just an incredibly cool animated show on Amazon. For some of you, it probably seemed like this day would never come. Based on a series of graphic novels, and you kind of expect it to be kind of rude and violent and crass in the way that a lot of these ones now are, but it's actually emotionally devastating. And I think about it when I'm parenting all the time, which was not what I expected. You have no idea what I'm capable of. What's it about? It's about a uh, young man who has a father who's a kind of superhuman alien and a regular mother. And as the show goes on, there's a lot of like are we actually the bad guys sort of reflections as the mother is trying to kind of teach her ubermensch husband how to actually parent and love his child. But yes, also a lot of big smashing and, and violence and, and like all of that good stuff. You should have died at birth. Okay. Unexpected dark horse of the season. Who have you got your eye on, Alexis? There's a guy um, called Sipo, it's spelled Sipho, S-I-P-H-O, who is an R&B singer from Birmingham. He's got a new album coming out called Prayers and Paranoia. There's a single off that. It's called Sober. It's like a drum and bass track, but it kind of really well done. He's got a fantastic voice. And he's going on tour in uh, November. I am intrigued to see what he does. 
Leila? Great British Bake Off for me has been on a pretty downward spiral for quite a long time. And I have a lot of faith that Alison Hammond's going to somehow bring it back and we're about to have a really good season. Catherine? I'd say the Chicken Run sequel looks quite fun. And um, just the name Jimmy Dunn. I just put that out there for people. Jimmy Dunn. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Thanks. That was The Guardian's film editor, Catherine Shord, our chief music critic, Alexis Petridis, and TV critic, Leila Latif. You can read more from them by searching out their author profile pages or head to theguardian.com forward slash culture to find the latest news, reviews, and interviews. For a weekly fix, there's also our sister podcast, Pop Culture with Shante Joseph, which this week is talking about all things Hollywood strikes. Find that every Thursday wherever you listen to Today in Focus. I'm Nashin Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Rose Delarabiti and Hannah Moore. Sound design is by Solomon King. The executive producer was Huma Khalili. Have a lovely weekend. We'll see you again on Monday. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.